In today's show, we have another guest from Germany, and this time from the north of Germany. Welcome to Kasper Hagedorn, one of the founders of Knut Hansen Gin. Hi, Holger. I hear that you are in Munich today, but you are actually from Hamburg. Yes, I am. I am. Um, just spending one week here in Munich in the south of, of uh, Germany, visiting the uh, parents of my girlfriend as well as yeah, doing some, some sales work here, would say, visiting some customers and clients and uh, yeah, shake some hands. Shake some hands. that week. So tell us, what is the difference between the north and the south of Germany? Is it like Cape Town and Joburg? It might be. So there is a difference. Um, first, the first obvious one for sure is the weather. So despite the fact that today it's cloudy here, normally the weather in the south is much, much better than it is in the north. Um, and it's, yeah, it brings something with it, that the people are spending more time outside. You have the IC next to Munich, just one hour away. You have so much things you can do uh, with, uh, when you have that great weather, um, which is a bit different in, in Hamburg if it's uh, you know, more days in the year are cloudy and raining. Um, <laughs> but despite, I think, the, uh, Munich and, and Hamburg are both beautiful cities and uh, pretty, pretty lovely people uh, living here, so I enjoy spending time in both, uh, both areas of Germany. Yeah, but in terms of um, what what foreigners see Munich as Oktoberfest and its beer and its lederhosen, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is not what Knut Hansen is about. So maybe talk. Not, not really, not really. <laughs> Tell us how you made Knut Hansen uh, a northern German brand rather than just a German brand, or what foreigners perceive to be German. Yeah, sure. So. Um yeah, you're right, for sure. What, what normally foreigners know about Germany, all you know, this Lederhosen and this stuff, and Oktoberfest is just a Bavarian thing and not, a, not something what we have all over Germany, for sure, nowadays. Like, you have Oktoberfest probably in South Africa, there are Oktoberfest in Shanghai as well as in Hamburg, um, but originally it comes from here, from just from Bavaria. So, in the north, we don't wear any leather shorts, leather shorts, or something like this. Um, when we started, it was uh, like, we are two, three years ago. Um, so there were already quite a lot of gins on the market in, in Germany as well, similar to other, other countries. So we thought about what, what might be our, our niche in that market and we figured out that there's not dedicated northern German gin. Um, we had great gins already in Hamburg, but with, let's say, with background in Portugal or wherever, uh, using chunker bones, great gins, but... Um, that's a typical northern one, and that's the niche which we uh, choose at our direction where we want to go. So we came up with uh, Knut Hansen, uh, former um, sailor, seafarer from, uh, from Hamburg, and he's a bit the, the faithful story behind it, that we use just regional source botanicals from that area around Hamburg, like we have a big production area for apples next to Hamburg all over Europe, uh, so we use apples. We use uh, fresh rose blossoms, which grow on the, the, the northern German uh, coast. We get um, basil as well as cucumber from our own greenhouse in, in Hamburg. So it's a pretty regional base. And if, at least if you're German and you look at the bottle, you immediately know, okay, it comes from Hamburg, or at least it comes from the northern part. Yeah. So it doesn't work anymore if you bring it to South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, and and how did you end up? Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey. You worked in in corporate companies, you and your business partner Martin. Yeah, exactly. So uh, both of us, Martin, me. Um, so we have just, yeah two guys doing that uh, that gen. Um, started after our studies in big big corporate companies. Um, that time both in Frankfurt. That we also the time when we meet uh, met the first time, and then we both moved. To Hamburg, also joining a big, uh, yeah, corporate uh, company, and uh, worked there for roughly ten years, both of us. And yeah, to be honest, we got a bit tired in the end. Uh, you have a lot of advantages working in such a big company, um, but for sure, it's a different thing that compared to what we do now. Um, and actually, we we um, started Knut Hansen next to our normal job. So we, we did it in the evening, we did during the weekends for Martin for one and a half, me for two years. Um, and we are pretty happy that we now have the situation that we'll be able to, to quit our normal jobs and to work 100% for Knut Hansen for that, for that brand and uh, doing it uh, full time. Yeah, that is, a, that is I think, the dream of, of, dream of most entrepreneurs is to leave your your main job and replace the income from your your side job, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, uh, probably it is. Uh, so it's, in the beginning, we did we didn't expect that, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, so tell us how it started. Do you did you outsource everything, or have you got a own distillery? No, actually, we in the beginning we um, we outsourced as much as possible. So they're just. The two of us, um, especially in the beginning, just Martin and me, and next, as mentioned, next to our normal job. So the the time we had for the brand was pretty limited. Uh, we worked quite a lot of hours, but more than night or during the weekend, but still it was limited. So we, um, in the beginning, we decided to outsource as much as possible. All your, the, the, quite a lot of the production stuff. So uh, we created the recipe together with uh, our yeah, master distiller. Um, and gave it then to him and, and asked him to, to produce the gin for us to distill it. Uh, we found great people to um, who did the, the bottling for us. All the uh, logistics stuff, we have great partner, as well as accounting, tech stuff. We tried to outsource as much as possible um, for the first two years. Um, and now we decided to go the other way around, that we especially the core processes of our production, we, we are totally about to insource. So we got um, three or four weeks ago, we got our own stove. So we open, uh, we're currently about to open a distillery in Hamburg. Um, we got a, a fantastic uh, copper stove from Arnold Holstein um, yeah, just, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and now we're going to again start to, to distill in Hamburg by our own um, yeah, we are about to hire the first people, um, and then yeah, at least have the production, the, the um, yeah, the distillation process in in house again. It's very interesting. We spoke to Grant McMurray, uh, a local distiller here. He makes Topanga rum, and he told us uh, that he had to wait 18 months for his Arnold Holstein yeah. distillery. Did you also have to wait so long? And actually, we expected it, um, but it just took us a couple of months. Mm. So it was much faster than you expected and much faster than they promised. So I think there was, yeah, just five weeks ago when they called us and said, hey, next week we're going to deliver the distillery. So, holy man, we, 
it's not everything ready in our new uh, new place. Um, yeah, but I think it just took three months. Okay, tell us so about. It was pretty quick, and it was a fantastic moment when they when they brought it there. And it, you know, I can send you a picture. It's, uh, it's not just uh, what they have inside there, but also it looks fantastic. This uh, yeah, this this copper still. Yeah, I think they they do look beautiful. Um, I've obviously only seen the one at Topanga, and uh, beautiful yeah. beautiful pieces of art. So tell us about the location. Is it yeah. something that you can visit, or is it open to the public? Absolutely. We actually planned that. Uh, so currently, it's just if, if we have yeah, sure our partners they're calling us contact and ask. We're gonna invite them. Um, so we're gonna open the so other. Meaning, so we're waiting for some people from the government to, to approve that we're allowed to distill there. And we plan that the first batch will be distilled in September. And as from them, we plan also to have some, some tastings in there at least one or two times uh, a month. Um, and maybe we're going to open it one or two days uh, per week for, for, for the public. For sure, we want it to, to tell the people that we are now able to produce to distill in Hamburg, which... Uh, so we have, I think, just uh, we, including us, just three distilleries uh, in that town, and uh, yeah, we're pretty proud about that. So we want to invite the people to to um, to visit us. And the and the location, where is it? Where is the distillery? Which part of Hamburg? It's called Hamburg Lockstedt, um, which is, um, I mean, from um, what do you know? It's a from from Hamburg, so it's uh, from. Let's say it's from the Reeperbahn, from the from St. Pauli. It's uh, it's ten minutes away. Okay, so, so it's still pretty not central. Too far away from the city center. And from the from the yeah, river. Still central, yeah. From the river, it's, it's a bit more. I would say fifteen to twenty minutes. So okay. that is basically my my uh, daily way to work. Okay, and so will you produce everything in there, or will you still have to outsource? Um, in the beginning, it, we, we do it both. Um, so the volumes we currently do, um, we, we calculated that the, uh, the, the, the distillery has to, to run many, many days per month. So especially in the beginning, we um, do it in both ways. So in parallel producing, let you say, okay, our former distiller still is, is doing some volumes, and we, we increase uh, the volumes which we do in our distillery um, yeah, from day by day, from day to day. Yeah, we. I think most pe- most listeners will know what Knut Hansen, what the bottle looks like. But if if they don't, we'll post a photo. But um, tell us a little bit about the bottle, which is uh, I think uh, a, a secret ingredient for you. The packaging is certainly something different. Yes, sure, sure. It is. Um, it is stoneware, um, which we get. There's one producer um, in the. There are more thousand part of, of, of Germany doing that. Um, doing a fantastic job. Uh, we went uh, there and then visited the, the production place that it's, um, it's, it's really engineering in there. Um, and actually we, as far as we know, they are the only, um, supplier for those bottles. All over Europe, I guess it's all over the world. Um, I think there's one, another one in, in, in UK. Which is much much more expensive, so it's pretty hard to um, to put that price for the bottle in your your product calculations. 
Um, but they're doing a, a fantastic job, um, and they're doing this stoneware bottles and three, four different uh, shapes or designs. I think there's also a gin from um, in South Africa using those uh, that bottles, which I saw during the last gin tonic festival in, in Cape Town. Um, let's just forget the name. Yeah, there is. There That's is pretty, pretty, pretty nice. It's a little bit taller. I think it's a 750 ml bottle. Yeah, yeah, black one. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and for sure, it helps that um, you can you can uh, keep your your gin or your your spirit or whatever you have in there for for a longer time because you know there's no impact from the sun or from the uh, from temperature outside to the to your product, um, especially if you then still have some a good quality of cork means you can yeah, keep your bottles for many, many years. Nothing will happen to the, to the product inside, to the gin. And for sure, it looks good. <laughs> it definitely looks good. Nowadays, if you have so many gins on the, on the shelf. Yeah. Is that the same problem in Germany? Yeah, the question if it, is, is it the problem? I think that um, for sure there are many, many gins, maybe too many gins. You know, the, the trend also comes with a lot of new, great products. And I think it's, it's a combination of both. If you just would have three gins on the market, would there be a big trend and the people uh, start drinking more and more gin? And I think it comes somehow, somehow together. Nowadays, they are, I think the, the, the limit is reached. If you have no idea how many gin brands we have in, in Germany now, there's probably... At least 500, probably more. Um, but what I, my feeling is that um, there are not that many gins popping up everywhere nowadays like it still was a year ago. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and it's getting, I think it's pretty hard to, to come up with a new brand if you just, if you're a startup and not for sure if you do it, if you're, a big, uh, big company like, I don't know, Bacardi Viaggio or whatever, or anyway, you still can do it if you have a lot of marketing budget behind it. But nowadays, launching new gin brands and being started with not a lot of money behind it, it's going to be pretty hard to be successful, at least on the German market. And I think it's, I have the feeling it's um, similar on the South African market or on the UK market or other markets. Yeah, you obviously hit the timing very well because you were the number one selling gin on Amazon. Um, so your timing must have been very good. Yeah, I think the best time would be three years earlier, like uh, or even more. Like like yeah, for example, Market Forty Seven. They were one of the first craft gin brands on the on the German market. So I uh, think we can. All of our, all of the, the gin brands, craft gin brands in, in, in Germany can uh, say thank you to them. Um, they did a lot of great work for us. Um, and also other brands which have been, even for a longer time on the market, still quite successful. Um, I think it was, it was pretty good that we were, that we launched it yeah, a bit more than two, or two years ago and not later. Um, so still the timing was, was fine, let's say, yeah. Yeah. So we met at uh, the Pure Gen Festival at Asara Hotel or Wine Estate, and you there's yeah. a there's a Cape Town story for you as well. You make your gin in Cape Town at Hope and Hopkins. Um, you ship the bottles to South Africa. Yeah. Um, how did that start? So I think uh, so. My connection to to South Africa and especially to Cape Town started many many years ago. So the first time I visited Cape Town was. 
2007, um, I went to an English language school in, in Seapoint in Cape Town for a couple of weeks, and then I came back in 2009 to study. So I studied some time in that UCT in Cape Town, and uh, yeah, you, you know it better than, than I do. It, South Africa is a beautiful, beautiful country. Um, of course, the Western Cape is, is, uh, is beautiful as well, um, and since that, I come back at least once a year to, uh, to South Africa, um, the last year, uh, two years ago maybe, um, uh, two, two times uh, two times per year. And then, um, more or less at the same time, when we launched our product here, um, I visited uh, the few distilleries that time we, uh, or you had in, in Cape Town, so it was Hope and one or two others, and um, yeah, talked to uh, Lee and Lucy from, from Hope Distillery and um, yeah, so they are great people there. Um, Lee's a fantastic distiller, and then uh, the idea came to my mind, um, why not producing or distilling for the South African market in locally in, in, in Cape Town, in, um, in, um, in Salt River, with Hope Distiller, uh, Distillery. So, and um, then we discussed it over quite a while, so Susie, uh, Lee, and me, and then we gave... Um, the recipe to Lee, I think, uh, last year, and he um, produced the first batch in November or December last year. And when we came there and, and, and tasted it, it was yeah, it was great. So uh, immediately we said, okay, let's go for that. Um, and I think it's a good um, good story as well. That uh, still we have to ship the, the bottles. Unfortunately, we cannot get them in South Africa. But we are now an international German craft uh, gin brand, which is produced locally in, 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 in South Africa for the South African market. I think, uh, well, I like that story. And uh, the good um, side effect is that now I have a good reason to come to South Africa even more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in how many markets are you available now across the world? Um, we are currently delivering by ourselves directly to 15 countries. Um, and I think available, we are in, yeah, in some more, um, like in, in the UK or in the Netherlands or some smaller countries all over Europe where we are available. Some, some wholesalers from Germany, from other countries are delivering there, but uh, we don't have a, one dedicated importer or distribution partner. Um, but 15 countries by by now, um, and we try to 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 to, to visit the most of them. So Martin and me spent, uh, I think, in the last 12 months, we visited 14 countries. Wow! Either we just visited our distribution partner, or we joined some exhibitions and fairs or gin festivals or whatever. And um, I think that helps a lot to build good relationships to our partners in that countries, like we have in, in Norway or in. Uh, in uh, Italy or in Japan or for sure in South Africa, um, that helps. Yeah, tell us about Japan. Um, I saw some photos of you being in Japan recently. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. So uh, we met those guys, our our partner, that during the BCB in Berlin, so the Berlin Bar event uh, last year in October. Um, and then we were pretty happy that they decided to ask us um, to become our importer for the Japanese market. Um, so then uh, we shipped the first bottles there in, uh, I think, in December. Um, yeah, 
before Christmas, and uh, then we uh, we just yeah wanted to to go there as well to see what happened there. So it's a pretty interesting market, and it's pretty hard to understand from here, from being far away, what's going on there. So we decided to um, to visit uh, those guys and join together with them the Tokyo Bar Show um, in and what was it? I think it was in May. So we, it was a good combination. We went first to Hong Kong, enjoyed another another exhibition there, and then two days after the weather Tokyo Bar Show, and uh, yeah, really good time. It, it was my first time in Japan. It's a beautiful country, a very very friendly open-minded people and yeah, it was pretty interesting to give all the, the guests on that um, bar show our our Hansen in their hands and, and uh, see that uh, reaction when they when they had that on their, their palace um, yeah it was, was pretty cool and now it's um, yeah we're looking forward to what, uh, what comes next there with, with our brand in Japan we had a small taste of Japan when at the at the Pure Gene Festival in Asara yeah. because Peter Gutkins had invited sea yeah. guys, I think, from Japan and they showed us a little bit about how they serve gin and it's it's a little bit different yeah. to what we used to. Yeah, it is, it is. And they spend so much love and every single drink they, they create. So we we visited some some unbelievable bars there and uh, somewhere in Osaka in areas where we, where we that you just don't expect any bar there and then immediately it pops up a bar which I haven't seen before anywhere in the world. Um, yeah, so it's uh, what they do. They do with a lot of love and, and high quality, and yeah, it's special. It's very special. Casper, um, tell us a little bit about when you started, because in Germany it's different to South Africa. You don't need a liquor license to retail yeah. alcohol. So, uh, how did you approach yeah. the market? Yeah, that's uh, yeah, actually what I had to figure out when, when we started in South Africa as well. It's not that easy. Um, so in the, um, in the beginning, we, um, we just started uh, doing some advertisement via social media, Facebook that time, uh, Instagram became more and more important that time, and we just had our own online shop and sent it, yeah, some, uh, some boxes uh, by our own um yeah from 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 home um and then um yeah how how does it work and here like you have to to take your bottle you sit in your car and you visit you need to visit the people and to shake the hands to to go to the either we also have liquor stores but also like other stores even fashion stores are allowed to sell alcohol here you have people spending so much money buying a jean they are uh, often open to 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 take a bottle of gin with them, um, maybe as a gift or for their uh, I don't know, celebrating their the buy of the gin, whatever. Um, so in the beginning, we we went out there and still be doing that. So what I'm this week and doing in, in Munich, I uh, have a couple of bottles in my in my car and I just drive to the stores, shaking hands and introduce them to um, to our gin. Um, and that's what we what we started in the beginning. And also, um, what helped us a lot is um, what we didn't expect in the beginning. That quite a lot of stores, bars, restaurants contacted us via Instagram or Facebook. They just saw for sure our bottle and the design, and they uh, asked us to visit them and to um, yeah wanted to list our 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 gin, which uh, helped us a lot. Still, still, it uh, it happens uh, today that 
we have that request via Instagram or Facebook. And then do you ship it from your wholesaler? Is it all centrally done or is it, uh, I mean, do you sell it from your car like, like a startup would? No. Yeah, in the beginning we did that. And still, if they say, okay, it's cool, give me the first six bottles for sure, I'm going to leave a box there. Um, but mostly it's done via our fulfillment center, so which we then, I think, we started then in, in August, and I think after half a year, a bit more than half a year, we, we met that, that guy and uh, just decided to outsource that. And it's uh, very, very helpful for us. So nowadays we just have... The, the box is there, and we uh, do it you know, online to enter just the address uh, where they have to ship it, and one day or day, two days later, it's, it's, it's there. So we we not deliver by our own any anymore. So is it is it uh, if you say it's a fulfillment center, it's not a, a liquor distributor like we have in South Africa, no. where one liquor distributor no. del- delivers a whole lot of different brands. That is what we have as well for the bars and for the restaurants. Um, but the, the fulfillment that we use mainly for, for retailers. So if we have a fashion store somewhere in Munich and they're asking us for 12 bottles or Berlin or whatever, we're going to ship a box of 12 bottles there. Um, the wholesalers, the, the alcohol, sports, uh, or beverage uh, distributors, it is a, it's a different service which you have as well for sure. And they are mostly delivering to, yeah, to restaurants, to bars, um, yeah, how we can business, would say. And then they have their own salespeople collecting orders, or do you have to find those customers and introduce them to your brand? Uh, um, there are some of them which have salespeople, but mainly you, are, you have to, to work on that. So we need normally to go to, to the bars and introduce them to our to our gym, and if they want to list it, we say, okay, you can get it from that wholesaler. Okay. That is, um, yeah, normally the way how, how it works, yeah. And uh, introducing your brand, is it, do you do a lot of work in the, in the restaurant and bars? I had a, a podcast interview with Inesha, who's also the Knut Hansen distributor in Cape Town, and he was saying that most of the work that has to be done is, is in the on consumption or in the bars, otherwise the brand doesn't take off. Yeah, I, I wouldn't agree on that uh, for Germany nowadays. I think that still was the case a couple of years ago, um, but nowadays, um, to, to be honest, you go in a, in, a, in a cool bar and if you look at the, the shelf, there are 200 gins. Um, if you will be the 200 and first one, it's nice, and uh, probably there are some guests which will try your brand and your gin and taste it, and later on while will buy a bottle. Um, but today, you also can be very successful if you focus on retail in Germany. So we try to focus on both, um, but you, it's not the same like a couple of years ago yet that you need to be in every cool bar to be successful later in, in retail as well. And are the cool bars all um, dominated by the big brands like Penorica and uh, Diageo, or is it, is it? Is For it, sure, it helps them that they have more brands in their portfolio, which is they can sell and they can do great promotions and um, things like that. But it's not that uh, it's just dominated by them, I would say. 
So also these, these bar, they want to, to offer special things and different things to their guests what, uh, compared to what they get in other bars or restaurants, not just the standard stuff. So um, there is still a market for, for, for startups and craft uh, brands in the, in the bar and the restaurant scene as well. Yeah, you often have the case that you can taste, and that is the, the, the best thing I, or the thing I prefer. You often can um, have retailers of several stores or liquor stores where you can taste uh, the, the, the product as well. Um, often we give just a bottle for tasting there, and um, because we figured out in the moment that people taste uh, the gin and our gin, that they often buy them it's because they just like the taste as well. Um, so you, you just need to go to a bar to taste the, the product first. So in Germany, there's very few bottle stores like we know them. Most of the time, the supermarkets just retail um, spirits and beer and wine. Um, so that's a little bit unusual for us. How, how do you approach those big markets? Is it quite hard to get in there? Um, yeah, it's getting harder, I would say. You know, considering that we have so many brands, so especially in German brands in, in Germany nowadays, and if you go to uh, to a buyer and introduce them to your gin, and he's telling you, okay, I already have 300 gin, and why I have to take your brand now as well, um, it's not easy to, to convince uh, the, the buyer often. Um, but it's, yeah, you're right. Um, we have liquor stores, we have great liquor stores, but not that many. So I would say that in the big cities, you often have two or three really, really cool liquor stores, like we have some in, in, uh, in, in, in Hamburg. I just uh, yesterday visited one here in Munich uh, the first time. Uh, but also we have supermarkets like, uh, I think uh, we have here Edeka, which might be comparable in South Africa to... Yeah, it's hard to compare. Maybe um, I would think it's something between uh, Woolworths and, and Pick and Pay, something like mm. that. Uh, and they often have a great portfolio and variety of of uh, of, of, of spirits as well, also craft spirits. Uh, there are some stores where you don't want to go and don't want don't want to take your your brand in, but there are really cool ones as well. And it is a big market. Yeah, it's a big market. So, especially in the beginning, we started to focus more on liquor stores, on fashion stores, and, and more stores where where your brand is really, which is, is cool for your brand. Um, and then the long term view, for sure, you have to consider the the uh, supermarket channel as well. And how? Uh, so it's easy to deliver to the fashion stores. You just use the same company. Yeah. It's, I think it's uh, to deliver in the end is, is easy, but to convince them it's, it's not that easy because they, it's not their core business. Yeah, they are owned by one guy, so you need to to convince every single shop. You don't can go to any, I don't know, any headquarter and say, okay, so we have great product, would you list it in your hundred hundred stores? That's going to work. That's, that's not the case. But you need to go to every single one, and uh, so Germany is big, um, and that. That's the hardest point to go to every single store. And it just, it's not enough to send a bottle into call them. You need to to be there personal in person and and, and uh, introduce them to your to your gin. Yeah, and they sell the first six bottles and then they don't place another order, I guess. Yeah, it it depends. Mm. I think it's um, 
if you have such stores, they often just have one, two, three, four brands, so they have an have an eye on that. Would say it's um, so they they recognize okay, it's almost it's empty, and they're going to reorder. It's a bit different uh, situation if you have a big market with 300 brands. If one is sold out, it's uh, yeah. Maybe they forget forget you, and uh, they won't want to reorder, and then and you need to to go there as well again. And and the bottle stores you also have to call on individually because I guess they they're not a chain store. They're not uh, yeah all individually yeah. owned. Yeah, the most of them. But it's worth going there. Huh? They we have stores that are selling uh, many many bottles uh, every every week, um, and. That's the place where you want to be. So that is the, often the place where the people you are looking, the the the, um, the customers are looking for a special thing and a special brand. They're going to go there. They, um, yeah, they get supervised by the um, by the people working there. So that is um, important to be there. Yeah, and how how is the brand doing in South Africa? Oh, it's. Um, we're doing pretty well, I would say. So I'm very, very happy with that. Um, but still, it's hard to um, um, to to to, to uh, say. It, is it um, well? What happened to the to the brand so far? We we um, as mentioned, we we uh, had the first batch produced in December. Um, so in the middle of the last summer and the, the main season in South Africa. And uh, then we changed our, our distribution sales partner um, for the Western Cape uh, by beginning of May. Um, so when the, when the winter started, so we're pretty much looking forward to, to what's, uh, what happens in the next uh, summer season in, in South Africa. Um, and I think if we, if we, can, if we have a call next year in, in March, then I can tell you much more about that. But um, yeah, I'm pretty much looking forward to what's going to happen there. So I'm going to be there the entire January. Yeah. And let's see what comes up there. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're looking forward to seeing you again. Um, are you bringing your family along, or is it just you and Martin? No, actually, Martin uh, won't join this, uh, this time. He will spend um, the October, November, December in uh, Australia. Um, also, yeah, try to check out the market there. Um, and then uh, me, my girlfriend, and our little little son will come to to South Africa in January. So I'm going to bring them. That's very it's exciting. First time in South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we look forward to seeing you in South Africa. And which which are some of the big cus- uh, customers where they can find your gin? Um, the normal ones in Cape Town, Liquor City, Claremont, the barkeeper. Yeah. All barkeeper. the. All, Norman Goodfellows, all the major stores keep it. It's available yeah. in, in Joburg. Yeah, liquors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the one in Joburg, you not, you know much better than I do, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also available at, at Norman Goodfellows in a lot of the, the top, uh, top stores at Spa and also Liquor City. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Which is really, really awesome to see our brand in South Africa and the States. Still unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Kasper, thanks for joining us all the way from Munich. I hope you have wonderful weather. I hope that you have a wonderful, successful trip to Munich. 
and uh, thanks for joining us on on this podcast and for sharing Thank your knowledge you. and your experience. Where can people find you on social uh, on media? Uh, on Instagram, at Kuthansen Dry Gen, uh, as well as uh, on Facebook, for sure. Okay. And now we have a YouTube channel. We just opened a YouTube channel. <laughs> ah. I wanted to ask you, the social media, that, is, is that a big channel for you? Yeah, it's very important. So with our being a startup, we don't have that much budget for, for marketing activities. So what can we do with social media and all these ex- joining exhibitions and fairs and, and gym festivals and so on? So social media is a very, very important factor. Okay. Very, very important. So even before we, we came to South Africa, we had a lot of requests via Instagram how they can get our bottle there. Because we try to, to push our... Um, yeah, did some advertisement in, uh, in for, for Gauteng and for, for Western Cape area, um, knowing that we're going to enter the market. Um, so it works pretty, pretty, pretty well. And it was at the beginning very much Facebook. Um, today it's much more Instagram, I would say. Yeah. I even found uh, one of your German bottles in a gin bar in Pretoria. Is it? Right in the beginning, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know what what ways it took to to go somewhere. Yeah, probably through the airport. <laughs> yeah, might be, might be. Yeah. Okay, Kaspar, thank you for joining us. We look forward to. Thanks a lot. We look forward to having you in South Africa soon. Thanks a lot. See ya. See you. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers. That was Kasper Hagedorn from Knut Hansen Dry Gin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by DrinksBiz, a powerful network for business owners and professionals in the beverage industry. To find out more, go to drinksbiz.co.za. The best way to listen to our podcast is not at your desk. It's on your iPhone or on your Android phone while you're driving or while you're standing at the queue in the bank or while you are at the gym. So go to the show notes at the end of the show notes. There's a link where you can subscribe to our podcast or search for it on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for joining us today.